everyone. Welcome to the second episode of, well, this isn't normal, <laughs> hosted by me, Sarah Benincasa. As always, the podcast is supported by patreon.com slash Sarah Benincasa. And also, you can get 20% off plus free shipping on any order online at matrushka.com if you use my code Sarah at checkout. That's S-A-R-A at checkout on matrushka.com, M-A-T-R-U-S-H-K-A.com. Here we go. Well, how are you doing? How are things? You freaking out? You scared? You feeling okay? You enjoying yourself? It's possible. I mean, some of us like alone time. What we don't like is our friends and family freaking out. And I want to talk a little bit today on the podcast about how to deal with a friend or family member who won't take this thing seriously. We have all the evidence in the world that the concerns about COVID-19 and social distancing and restricting, um, you know, travel are, are real. This is real. It's a real thing. And it can be enormously frustrating when somebody you otherwise mostly like or love refuses to understand the enormity of it. Now, in some cases, I think that people just ain't that quick on the uptake. But by now, they should understand that it's a big deal. So when you see images of people partying for St. Patrick's Day and you want to punch them in the face, what can we do that does not involve punching somebody in the face, especially at a time of social distancing? Not that violence is ever the answer. But what can we do to not freak out on them and to try in our way to convey the seriousness of what we're dealing with. Well, probably if you're listening to this podcast, you're not a scientist specializing in pandemics. I mean, listen, if you are, uh, my hat is off to you. Thank you so much for your years of study and for the service I assume you are doing for our country right now and the world at large. But probably the folks listening to this podcast are not experts in the spread of disease. I certainly am not. But what I am is an avid consumer of information, and I am a critical thinker. And even with a healthy attitude that involves a big old grain of salt when you're absorbing information from the mass media, you know, you eventually start to realize, okay, if it, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a friggin' duck. Typically, though, I have found in my own life, and this is something that I've been working on in sobriety, certainly. I have found that if I come at people from a place of, you freaking idiot, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm so mad at you right now. They shut down right away. I have also been working on in my own life and in sobriety, the notion that I can't fix what I didn't break, nor can somebody else fix me. Fixing your life is an inside job. So you, gentle listener, are not somebody who is going to be able to make grandma 
or your boyfriend or your best friend or your obstreperous teen accept that this is a big deal. But what you can say is, and start with I statements, that's always a good thing. I am worried about you based on what I have read and what I have seen and what I have heard from my neighbors and friends, as well as scientists and doctors, I feel very strongly that it is important that you stay at home because I care about you and I love you. Start with those I statements because somebody who is stubborn, who is intractable, who fancies themselves a, a contrarian is not going to respond well to you always do this and it's bullshit and you're ignorant and you need to sit the F down and listen to me. They're not going to respond well to that, probably. So I think starting with I statements helps us because it, it's, it's authentic. It grounds our message in reality. The reality being I am concerned about my loved ones. I love my friends and here is why. That's a good thing. And, you know, don't knock yourself out. There's only so much you can do. During Katrina, I remember there were people who wouldn't evacuate. During Hurricane Andrew back in the day on the sea islands down in low country South Carolina, plenty of folks who wouldn't evacuate even when they could. You saw that with Harvey in Houston. Like, you see it. You see that. That is a phenom. And there is an analogous phenomenon here where people say, oh, I'm just going to go about my day. I'm just going to do everything. This can't scare me. Well, it's not about them being frightened, of course. It's, it's not even about some of them being sick. It's about them not becoming disease vectors who can harm other people. So that's where it gets different. Because if somebody stubbornly refuses to acknowledge the reality of a... <sighs> impending hurricane and they're staying that's that's them that's them potentially choosing death or injury but my frustration and perhaps yours as well i'm guessing comes from the fact that in this case if we have somebody who does not heed warnings they go out and about this not may not be somebody whose immune system is compromised this may be somebody who's hale and hearty and healthy but this person may be endangering the lives of others and furthering this national nightmare that we're dealing with, making it take longer. And so it's particularly hard to not just yell at that person. But this does give you some information, doesn't it? If you know somebody who can restrict their activities but will not, somebody who is not most likely going to suffer terribly should they contract the, uh, the flu. Uh, excuse me, it's not flu, it's coronavirus. <laughs> but they still choose to go about their day. That demonstrates enormous selfishness, and you get to decide what you do with that information. I'm calling it selfish. And I, again, am saying it's somebody who, we're talking here about somebody who has knowledge, who has understanding of what's going on, right? We're not talking about somebody who is, is unable to process the information or is unable to understand what's happening or is not able to access the information. I'm talking about somebody who knows 
and it's about them and they don't really seem to care or they dismiss it as not real. I am making a moral call and referring to that as selfishness. I can be a selfish person. I identify that behavior as selfish. That said, we are not here to play God. We can decide what we think about them, but we can't control what they do. You didn't make them selfish, and you can't fix selfish. They didn't make you vengeful, jealous, condescending, whatever you are, whatever your thing is that you're working on. They, they didn't make you that way. So again, I'll just say that I think the healthiest thing to do for you is to say your piece if you have any hope that it, it might help. Use those I statements. And then if they won't do anything with it, they won't do anything with that personal communication, which is not to be delivered with judgment, at least in your voice or on your face. We, we can judge privately. I'm doing it. Do it. Judge inside your head. Hell yeah. <laughs> but if you have that conversation with somebody you care about and that person won't adjust their behavior, all I can say to you is what I've been saying to myself, which is, okay, that's information for me. And that information is going to help me make more decisions in future about the extent to which I trust this individual with all manner of things. That's absolutely not wishing them ill or harm in any way. In fact, you are communicating with them, trying to protect them and to encourage them to protect others in our community. But if they're not going to do it, you can't make them do it. And that is rough. It's rough, which leads me to say that we're all learning. I may be doing things right now that I'm going to find out in a couple days are not the right thing to do. So we're going to learn. We're going to find out we're, we're in this together. And of course, I think it's time for today's relaxation technique, don't you? This will be another breathwork technique because why would it not be? I love that. Love breathwork. Learning breathwork is what helped me when I was debilitated, uh, really, by agoraphobia when I was mm, 21 and flare-ups occasionally in my 20s as I sort of got adjusted to the proper medication, figuring out the dosage and figuring out what my mom calls your recipe. You know, everybody has their own recipe for mental health and wellness. And and, and it took me time to find mine. And, you know, I, I tweak it and adjust it over the years. But breath work was the first thing that helped me. Yes, I have absolutely been helped by medication. Meditation as well, of course. But breath work, while meditative, is not necessarily a meditation or a prayer, although it can be combined with either. This is a breathing technique that you can do, and you might want to do it in private <laughs> because it looks kind of goofy, but it's delightful. So here's what you do. I want you to take your thumb and press it on your thumb on your right hand and press it on your right nostril. Can you hear me doing that? Hell yeah. What a voice for radio. Then you inhale through your left open nostril for four counts. Then 
while you are holding for five counts, you switch the pressure on your right nostril. You let that up. You free, free the nostril. And then you put the pressure on your left nostril. So it was in for four through the left nostril with the right one closed. Now you close the left one during a count of five. And then you slowly exhale through the right nostril for seven. I know that's so weird. I know it's it sounds so bananas, but part of distracting your mind from your racing thoughts um, and part of slowing down your heart rate and part of slowing down your body in general, slowing down the release of adrenaline, that pounding heart, um, the schwitzing that may be going on as your body goes into fight or flight is focusing the attention on these, these moments of counting, okay? So you put your thumb or any finger really over your right nostril. You inhale for four through the left nostril. You close the left nostril while counting to five and you gently breathe out for seven through the right nostril. Take a pause and then here we go again, but this time you're inhaling for four through the right nostril while keeping the left one closed. Count for five, close that right nostril and then let it out through the left nostril for seven. So it's four, five, seven. Now, you can switch it up if you want to. I mean, you can vary the counts, see what works for you. I like four, five, seven. But there have been times when I was breathing so fast and my mind was racing so hard that I did three, four, six. Like, it doesn't really matter. The point is that this gets you to slow your rate of respiration and gets your, your heart rate coming down, we hope. As with anything else, if, if you're worried about your respiration or you're worried about your physical health, check with your doctor about breathing techniques if you need to over the phone or Skype or what have you. But hopefully you'll find some relief from this. Well, that is it for today's episode of, well, this isn't normal. I'm Sarah Benincasa. You can uh, hit me up at Sarah J. Benincasa on Twitter. I am at Sarah J. Benincasa on Instagram. I am also at Excellent Coats on Irritated Women. And um, yeah, listen, I'm recording this at like four in the morning in a robe in my closet because it's quiet and I can't sleep. And as a sober person, I can't do what I would have done in the past. So you get this podcast. And by the way, if you have anything you'd like to chat about, you can always tweet at me. You can message me on Instagram, um, meaning chat about for the purpose of this daily podcast. Uh, you can also email Sarah at sarahbenincasa.com. Thank you so much. And, um, Try not to scream at anybody unnecessarily, especially yourself. Be kind to yourself. Hug yourself. No need to socially distance from yourself. I'll talk to you soon. Just one more thing. If you've got a few extra dollars and you'd like to support a group that's helping people through this economic crisis, please check out WCK.org. That's World Central Kitchen, which was started by Chef Jose Andres, and it is just awesome. They help people who are hungry, um, coming from all sorts of backgrounds, all kinds of situations, um, 
people who've been experiencing hunger for a long time and food insecurity, or people who are newly experiencing food insecurity and hunger. They're just, they do amazing stuff. Check them out, wck.org, and also on Twitter, at WC Kitchen. They're just fantastic, and I think it'll make you feel better to see the kind of work that they do. Thanks. Thanks.